0: Thanks be to God. All right, well, last week we started a new series. We actually started by talking about the Holy Spirit, the gift giver, and we continue that today. But to the students in the room, uh, I see some students around here. You know how this works, right? You're in your classroom and the teacher says, hey, this could be on a quiz in the future. Um, You might want to note that. Now, remember what I I said last week about assessment and raising of hands, see if you took the test? I said, now, I may bring this up next week. So I am. Raise of hands. Come on. How many of you have done the assessment? All right. We're seeing some new hands. That's awesome. Great. Um, By the way, I took it. So I've taken these for the last 20 years, as you can imagine in my my work that I do. I've taken a lot of different versions of this. But I took ours because I'm a team player. And guess what? It turns out I should be a pastor. <laughs> it turns out, true story, I'm working on it. But I'm, so I'm going to pursue those gifts. Well, we, uh, we are doing this series for a very important reason. I want to show you this graph here on the screen. Do we have that uh, available? Yeah. So this is a graph about discipleship. So discipleship is just a nice way of saying, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Now, a lot of what we do is on the left-hand side there, what we call spiritual formation. Uh, what is the gospel? What is the good news of Jesus Christ? What is his grace? We'll talk about that today, in fact, in part, All right? So a lot of what we do in our DNA groups, Bible study, a lot of what we do with worship is about forming you spiritually, knowing who you are and why you exist and, and what your, your mission in life is, so to speak. But look on the right-hand side there, ministry formation. Now, Ministry formation is very much related to spiritual formation. You can't have one without the other, but ministry formation is what follows from being formed in in your interior life spiritually. And so what this series is in large part about is on the right-hand side there, saying, great, you've been formed by Christ. Now what? What are you going to do about it? (laughs) How are you going to leverage who you are, how God has designed you? Ministry formation, service for God, Your giftedness, right there, your giftedness. You know, Mike mentioned it, but he said I would mention it. I'm probably going to mention it probably no less than seven, eight, nine times in the sermon day. But let me encourage you, right? If you haven't already taken the assessment, take that and then make sure that you're coming there. In fact, let me tell you how important this is. Uh, We talked about it uh, this week. Reed, myself, Anna, and a few others talked about it. We said we currently have the training seminar scheduled in the offices. Let's move to the sanctuary. Because everyone's going to be there. Now, don't let me look like a fool, guys. I want you to be there. Like, let's, I want to have reason to move it in here. Like, I want you all, I want you to say, my gosh. And so, as a result of that, we're not doing it in the morning. We're going to do it from noon to 2 o'clock. It's going to include lunch. Free lunch, everyone. Well, or unless you want to, uh, if you're, your gift is, spiritual gift is generosity, then you can contribute to the cost of that. Uh, but be that as it may, we want you to come. We want you to be part of there. We want to empower you and then unleash you. Now part of what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk about that. And what this passage is, this is a, this, uh, the beginning of First Corinthians 12-14, to the section where Paul teaches at length on what are the spiritual gifts and why. why. Why should we know them? Why should we lean into them? Why should we be empowered what we know about our spiritual gifting. So this morning, what I want to do is really, I want us to kind of set up the rest of the series as it were. And what I'm going to do this morning is I'm just going to really have two points, and it's this. One, I'm going to give you uh, a caveat, a warning, or really a couple things, a couple statements that Paul gives us about the spiritual gifts that we need to know ourselves. Number two, I'm going to give you a blessing. Three things actually that I think Paul wants us to see about the spiritual gifts They're intended to be a blessing for our lives. So a caveat or a warning and and a blessing or two. How's that sound? All right. So here's what we're going to do. Let's look at verse one and we're going to talk about some of these warnings here. Verse one. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. We've not been in Corinthians before. So let me give you a little bit of background here. Corinthians was written to the church in Corinth, modern-day Greece. So a few years ago, Kirsten and I were there. We got to walk in the footsteps where Paul walked. It was really cool to see, man, amongst the ruins to envision what would have been like 2,000 years ago. But that's Corinth. Now, Corinth was a very cosmopolitan port city. Very, by, by their uh, definition, it would have been very modern to their ears, right? And so they were struggling in this modern, large, cosmopolitan city with a, a number of cultural issues. Now, it says concerning the gifts. Now, this is the third of three concerning statements, pun intended. The first one was on sexuality. So earlier in the letter, he talks about about, uh, concerning sexuality. There's a lot of question marks in the culture about about how do we we, uh, present ourselves in our physical bodies in terms of sexuality. And then he deals next with another section concerning marriage and singleness. A couple years ago, maybe two years ago, I actually preached 1 Corinthians 7 on marriage and singleness. Some of you may remember that. But then when you get to chapter 12, there's this third and final section concerning spiritual gifts. Now, sexuality, marriage, yeah, you can understand the cosmopolitan city, why that might be important. But spiritual gifts, what's going on here? Why is this so controversial? Well, that's kind of part what I want to get into here. Now, I want to read verses 2 and 3. Two different translations. Let me read this. The first one, the one that we normally use is, it was called a ESV. It says this, You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, right about now you're saying, what in the world does that mean? And believe it or not, most commentators have that same question. Paul, what in the world were you trying to say here? So, I want to read it in Eugene Peterson's transliteration. Uh, this is what a uh, former pastor, he has since passed, but in his work called The Message. Some of you will be familiar with that. Maybe you keep a copy of the Bible in The Message as well. I like how he puts it here. It's very, uh, I think it helps us with some clarity. He says this, remember how you were when you didn't know God. You were led from one phone to God to another, never knowing what you were doing, just doing it because everybody else did it. Is different in this life. God wants us to use our intelligence to seek to understand as well as we can. For instance, by using your heads, you know perfectly well that the Spirit of God would never prompt anyone to say, Jesus be damned. Nor would anyone be inclined to say, Jesus is master, without the insight of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is how it connects. Corinth was a port city and there were the import business. And what I mean by that is all these former pagans, right? These are all Gentiles. Now remember, Christianity is brand new to a place like Corinth. Throughout the Greco-Roman world, Christianity was brand new 2,000 years ago. And so you have all these former pagans who were part of what are sometimes referred to as the ecstatic religions where or through ritual, through wailing and singing and chanting in the temples, there are these different cults around sexuality, which is why Paul brings up sexuality earlier. There are these different cults and religions to all these different gods. And they're using a lot of, uh, let's say, charismatic gifts to try to get the attention of the gods. And so what Paul is saying here when he says, uh, are, do you know the Holy Spirit? Or are you being led by the Holy Spirit? Or are you being led to these mute idols? What he's saying there is that it appears to, to me, the one who planted the church, Paul, it appears to me that you're importing some practices from these pagan religions into your understanding of the spiritual gifts. Now, here's why, in particular, that's important. Here's the first of two warnings, as it were. Right? We're going to put this on the screen here. Charisma is not charisma. You're saying, wait a minute. Uh, well, that's a tricky one there. Charisma is not charisma. What do you mean by there? Now, charisma is a word that we have all heard before, right? But did you know charisma is actually a Greek word, and directly from the Greek? Now, in a second, I'm going to talk about charisma as it's being described here by Paul regarding gifts, spiritual gifts. But how do we think of charisma? Think about what is charisma today? Well, I want you just for a second, when Paul says concerning the spiritual gifts, here's the gift that tended to trip people up the most. It's called tongues. Now, remember last week, if you were here, I said that I would get to this. Well, that's this week. So let me say a few things about that. Last week, when when it says that the Holy Spirit descended, right? Descended, it was like like tongues of fire. Then they began to speak in different tongues. Remember what I said, that there it's talking about different known languages. Now, all these people from all over the the Greco-Roman world, the known world of the time and kind of around the Mediterranean, they're coming in for these different festivals. And so at Pentecost, what we call Pentecost, they're in for a festival called Shavuot. And at that festival, all these different language groups suddenly hear these Galilean Jews, these these disciples and some of the other early followers, suddenly they're speaking in different languages. But they're known languages. They're just speaking in in different languages that, that they didn't learn. And so this is miraculous. And this is part of what God was doing to bring the nations together. That was last week. But this week, when you talk about tongues, the context is a little bit different. Some commentators say what he's referring to here is what sometimes is referred to as angelic languages. In other words, this is no known language. These are not languages that, you know, people from different parts of the world coming to Atlanta might speak if you're in the, in the market, you know, going to DeKalb Farmer's Market or places like that. These are, these are languages that no one speaks. Now, that's why later on he talks about the gift of interpretation, the idea being that if someone can speak in tongues, there should be also someone who can interpret that because otherwise it just sounds like gobbledygook. So if, the, if God is speaking in a, in a language that's different and unique, then we need to know what's being said there. Now, the question I know some of you are asking me right now is, Scott, where do you stand on that issue? I thought you'd never ask. Let me tell you about how I feel about that, okay? Now, we don't, we don't really talk about this much, do we? Um, so here's, here's where I stand on that. This is, by the way, obviously a big-time debate if you know anything about the gifts and things like that, that what are called the charismatic gifts, speaking in tongues and some other things like that, even some that were mentioned here in this list. And the question that people ask is, do these gifts exist today? Now, if, if you've come from a charismatic background, especially one that's like like we're the real charismatics, right? We're not talking about some of those Calvary Chapel types. Like we're no, we're the real deal here on the on the end of the char- charisma here. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Like this is like part and parcel to to what you're you do, that sort of thing, or what you've been taught, maybe something like that. What do I think? I think, here's what I'd say. I would say that if the gift of tongues exists today, it's not normative. Now, that's really important here, because the list of gifts that we're asking you to do in that assessment that you all have done already, or will do, like that list of those gifts are what we would call normative gifts. And the way we will teach and train on them, the way that our team will be doing that on February 4th for the upcoming seminar. We're going to be talking about that. How are these gifts normative in our lives? But it is possible. Like I, I don't want to I just, my experience of the world, what I've seen, is such at my age that I cannot discount the possibility that some of these gifts that were so distinctive, so unique at the beginning of the church, I can't quite go as far as to say I don't think they exist at all. I can't quite go that far. But what I can say to you with great confidence is that they're not normative. And let me tell you why that's important. Because if it's not normative, we shouldn't pursue it. Twenty years ago, Kirsten and I were working with a group coming out of India. It was called the Church of South India. So we were, I was working for an international ministry. And in particular, we were working with a group coming out of India. And these were immigrants who were settling in America, and they brought their denomination to America, and primarily we were working with uh, the young people. Basically, they called youth, and that meant anyone who wasn't married. So you could be 35 years old and be a youth in that denomination. Go figure. But anyway, we're, we're there, and every night of this conference, we do this for every year, for several years, every night of the conference we'd have this time of testimony. And, and one night in particular, this young woman stood up, and she, rather than testifying about her what God was doing in her life, she began to teach. And what she taught was that everyone should be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, we understood immediately, this is code language for something, and she began to talk. And what she said was, um, you will know that you are a mature and complete Christian if you have the gift of tongues. And she went on about this, and I looked around the room, and there was just consternation on everyone's face because it was clear that no one had that gift uh, by and large. And, And so I did something that I've never had had to do before, and I've never done since, thank God. Um, I was just grateful. But I had to stand up and, and, and actually rebuke them. That was hard, okay? I don't like doing stuff like that. But I had to because because the gospel was at stake. And, and I, I had to say, I, I'm sorry, but but that's actually not from Scripture. There's nothing. Paul never teaches that that you have to be, quote, unquote, baptized. the what is that? No, we have the Holy Spirit, but being, this idea of being baptized, no. That's, that's that. Maybe some people have the gift, but not everyone. That's, I mean, even today, this is no small thing. There are people who struggle with this. That's my point in saying all that. So, what do we mean that charisma is not charisma? The tongues, the gift of the tongues was a very magnetic gift. You can imagine, right? If someone started speaking in a language that no one's ever heard of before, you'd be like, wow, that's kind of cool. <laughs> you know, kind of thing like that. Now, that's religious. But think about in the secular Western world, what do we do with charisma? They're a very similar thing, I think. What gifts do we highlight in our secular Western modern world? We, we highlight people who have charisma, don't we? It's the politician. It's the person in Hollywood. It's the, it's the person who has great speaking gifts. And, and we know, whether it's politics, whether it's media, whether it's something else, fame and fortune often fall in those places like that. I think often that we baptize, pun intended, we baptize in a secular way the same issue that was happening in the church 2,000 years ago. So this is not just a religious issue. This is a problem for everyone, and that's because we're attracted to that which looks attractive. Okay? You hear me on that? So charisma is not the same thing as charisma. Now you see where I'm going with that. Now I'm going to talk a little bit in a second. What is Paul then saying about that? But it leads to the second thing here. Okay? Christmas not Christmas, here's the second caveat. Your gifts are not superpowers. Okay? Your gifts are, are not superpowers. Like you're not a Marvel comic character with the ability with to flip cars with superhuman strength by having powers. Uh, or lightning to come out of your eyes. It's something like that. Like these your your gifts are given to you not to put you on stage, is what I mean by that. And and that's not just true for uh, for for the people out there, it's true for people like me who are up on a stage on a regular basis. So I was telling you earlier, you know, it turns out I should be a pastor according to the uh, the gifts test that I've taken. And think about a lot of the gifts that I have. I mean, what am I doing right now? I'm preaching, you know, I, and I've been doing this for 25 years now in different ways and different capacities. And so if you look at my gift strengths, it, it says administration, which is basically the stewardship leadership there, and then right after that. I have like four right together, shepherding, teaching, prophecy, which means to bring insight, and then evangelism. So right there at the top are, are my gifts. And, and let me tell you why I share that with you, because literally before I got up here to preach, and I do this every time I preach. Now sometimes I do it before I preach, sometimes I do it after I preach. But I want you to know one of the, the, one of the things that I pray is from John chapter 3, verse 30. It's where John the Baptist Is being asked, hey, are you the Messiah? No, you're not the Messiah. No, no, I'm I'm the forerunner to the Messiah. And then his disciples say, hey, hey, I just want to let you know, John, all your disciples are going to Jesus now. Do you remember what what John says? He says, I must decrease that he might increase. I must decrease that he might increase. So I want you to know, when I get up here, because I know the power of charismatic gifts, when I get up here, I pray that I would decrease. I can't tell you, after doing this for 25 years, the number of people that I know, pastors, who have forgotten that. And you know what I'm talking about. You know the headlines. You know the leaders. Now, we, we see them in politics. We see them in media. and everything, But it happens in the church, too. That's my point. You know, where they have to have a green room in order to go. And the only time you ever see that is just he's a, he's a person up on a stage, a big stage. And there's power. And, and then they begin to use and abuse that power. Over people, and no wonder people turn off by the church sometimes. No wonder people feel wounded by the church, and sometimes it's because those of us with authority abuse our authority and so for those of us who have public gifts like that and where we're given authority, how important is it? How important is it to know that these are not superpowers and and, and something related to that I want, I want to share say. Uh, when you, if you've already taken the assessment, you'll already know this. But, but if you take it, you'll see this, that you'll have certain gifts that are like populate near the top of your list. They'll give you your top three, that sort of thing like that. But then you'll have these gifts that basically barely register. <laughs> okay? It's going to happen. Like I, I have some like that as well. And, and, and that's just that's normal. You'll, the Holy Spirit has given you some gifts in spades. That's what you're going to find out. He's given you some gifts in spades, and there are other gifts are not. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean that, that, uh, that because you have some stronger gifts that, that by definition you're weak in other areas? Yes, it does mean that. But here's why that's important. Because the tendency is to look at your strong gifts and then forget that the Holy Spirit gave them to you. And then you begin to develop your persona. You begin to develop your sense of well-being, your sense of worth and value around your spiritual gifts. What was given to you in grace, what was given to you out of His power becomes your power. You see how that works? That's where we go sideways. Whether it's, again, a pastor in the church or whether it's uh, someone in, out there in the, in the media, in the public eye, so to speak, that's where we go wrong is that we forget where these gifts come from. And I want to say more on that blessing in, in a second, but I just want to stress that with you this morning. Really, like, charisma is not charisma, and our gifts are not superpowers. Like We dare not begin to believe that. So what, what is our takeaway from this? It's this. If you want to know, I want you to underline this if you're taking notes. If you want to know, are you spiritually mature? It's not necessarily the strength of your strengths, the strength of your gifts. Is your awareness of your gifts and your ability to be empowered and employed in those gifts. That is the definition of spiritual maturity when it comes to the spiritual gifts. It's not having even just an awareness of what you get. It's not just a matter of taking the assessment but it's about saying, man, I want to be unleashed for the kingdom around the gifts that God has given me. That's a sign of spiritual maturity. And, so, and if you say, I want to grow my faith, again, take the assessment. <laughs> That'll be a part of it, I kid you not, which leads now to the blessing. This is where I want to conclude. Okay? Let me read to you verses 4 through 7, and then I'm going to share with you three blessings, I think, that we receive from this text on the other side of a warning. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Here's the first blessing. Your gifts are a sign of what it means to know God's grace. God has given you your gifts that you would know His grace. The very word charisma, again, is gift. Some of you know that we named our oldest daughter Karis, and some of you know that part of that is because of our story of infertility. By the way, this is what what we did when she was born. We we told people that we were calling her Karis, last name's Armstrong, of course, and we said, we're we're trying to figure out a middle name. Uh, And so we'd we'd say, hey, do you like the name Matic? Do you like middle name Matic? And people are like, oh, that's kind of cool. I like that. And they go, wait a minute, Charismatic. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, we're pulling your leg. That, that's what we did. So, no, obviously her name's not Matic. Um I actually thought that'd be funnier than it actually turned out to no. be. Just, I'm going to note that for myself, take that on my notes. Uh, thank God I don't have, you know, if I preached multiple sermons, I would just not use that in the future. Um, Harris thought it was funny. I want you to know for the record that meant the most to me. Okay. All right. What do we do with this? Okay. <laughs> um, it's this. The word charisma here, as I said, means gift, and that literally means grace. And so when you know your gifts, you're knowing his gift of grace into your life. Now, why does Paul, in verse 3, talk about only the Spirit can lead you to say Jesus is Lord? It's because of the nature of what the gospel is. The gospel is a gift to you. None of us deserve to be loved by God. None of us uh, have the power in ourselves to be loved by God, but it is His gift. In Romans, Paul talks about it for it is the, the gift of God, you know, for salvation unto men and women. It is the gift of God. And so, by definition, the idea of, of gift is, is grace. I mean, we just went through Christmas, right? And, and, and how many of you got a gift at Christmas time? You don't actually show of hands, but I just like, we all did, right? And, and there are two responses that we should naturally have to a gift one is appreciation. Um, I got some great gifts this year. And, and one of Oh, man. So some of you know I love to cook. And I got some knives this year. Oh, my God. It looks like a Viking forged them. <laughs> They're so awesome. And uh, I, I was like, my wife loves me deeply. You know, I got these amazing knives here. Um, and I was so appreciative, right? It was just naturally, I'm just so appreciative of that. And, and you got gifts, too. And you're, the nature of a gift is because of someone else's generosity... Uh, you feel appreciated, or, and you certainly feel appreciative, hopefully. But the second response there is humility, right? Uh, you didn't earn that gift. It's a gift. By definition, a gift is something that's not earned, right? It's something that someone loves you for and says, I just want to bless your life with something. I want to celebrate you. I want to highlight you. And you've had those gifts before. are like, man, they know me. Like, like they're really thinking of me when they gave me that gift. Right? And it should humble you. Same thing with our spiritual gifts. See, the problem is often uh, where we get sideways, which is what was happening in Corinth, where people were saying, I've got the gift of tongues. Now, by the way, notice that it's the very last gift in the list that Paul gives. Most commentators believe he's demoting that gift because it was so powerful in their eyes in an unfortunate way. But, but we can, again, we can take upon ourselves and say, oh, man, look at me. Look at the skills that I have. Look at these gifts. And if you properly understood gifts, and that is the gospel of, of Jesus Christ, the gift giver himself, then it will humble you to have these gifts. So the more strength you see, it's a paradox, the more you see your strength in those, those top three gifts, the gifts, properly understood, the more it drives you to your knees. And you begin to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you so much for how you've made me, how you've designed me. So first thing I think the blessing here is in the gifts is that it allows us to know God's grace more deeply. And second, related to that, is to experience his presence. Now, in verses 4 through 6, I'm not going to reread that, but in verses 4 through 6, it's a picture of the Trinity. Three different words are used there. Lord, God, and Spirit. And most uh, theologians would say, would suggest that what Paul is doing here is he's saying triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit are involved with the giving of gifts. And beyond that, seven times in this passage, the Holy Spirit is mentioned in conjunction with the giving of the gifts. Remember, last week, if you were here, I talked about deism as what some people believe. In theory, I believe there's a God, but I don't think God's involved in the world. He's not engaged in my life, that sort of thing like that. We say, no, far from it, The gifts, the gifts are the evidence that He's involved, He's engaged, and He wants to be present with us. And so as you take that assessment, or if you've already done it, I want you to just really stop there and say, this is God's proclamation of His love to you. And every single one of you, every single one of you, there's not a single person in this room that doesn't have gifts and spades. Because He designed you. Which leads to the last thing here. The gifts point you towards your kingdom purpose. Why am I here? Specifically, who am I and, and why has God made me the way that He's made me? Look, here's the reality. Remember what I just said. All of you have gifts this morning. And here's the other reality you're all using your gifts too. Here's the problem. For a lot of us in this room, we don't know how we're using the gifts. I See, there's misalignment. If you don't actually know what your gifts are and you haven't been trained and empowered around your gifts, often what you'll do is you'll, you'll be misaligned. You'll be using your gifts in, in the workspaces. You'll be using them, but you won't know how you're using them. You'll just happen to be using them because you're, you haven't been made in the image of God. What I'm stressing here through the assessment, through the training on February 4th is be empowered, be employed, be unleashed. To know, man, this is why I have the gift of, of whatever it is, fill in the blank. The gift of faith. By the way, we've all been given the gift of faith. That means just the gift of belief right, with, a, with a unique confidence. God is about to move and act in a, in a profound way. The gift of healing. Like we've seen God heal miraculously in our church over the years, physically and otherwise. Some of you in this room know firsthand what that's like. And so these gifts, like, say, man, I've been given these gifts for the reason, for a purpose. My question to you this morning is: Do you know your purpose? Do do you? I mean, I know what I do for a living, Scott. That's not what I mean. Like, do you know your kingdom purpose? And there might be a lot of overlap between what you do between the Sundays, right? And by the way, when we say we want to unleash you with your spiritual gifts, we're not saying we need more volunteers on Sunday morning. It's not less than that, by the way. (laughs) Okay, but it's more than that. It's saying, I want to be able to use my spiritual gifts in my workspace for His kingdom. I want, to, I want to be aligned so much with the Lord every day of the week that when I go into my workspace, you know, quote-unquote, the secular workspace, I, I can feel the Spirit on fire within my heart, leveraging me and using me um, to do, work with excellence, to work with it for His glory. And that alone brings his kingdom to bear upon the world. And so, so this is why, this is why, friends, um, it's not about, like, so much of what we do, sometimes in the church, we focus on sin and things like that. And and there's a proper place for that. But, but part of what this series is about is to focus on design. It's to focus on how God has shaped you, how God has made you. Now, here's where I'll conclude. In verse 11, this is where Paul concludes, after giving that list of different gifts, of which some of which we'll, we'll look at in detail in the rest of the series, he says this in verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who portions to each one individually as He wills. Each one. So I'm stressing this again as I close. Each one. You. You have amazing gifts. Some of you know your gifts and you know how to employ them, how to how to empower others. Like the strength of your gift probably is, a, is a, probably a pretty good indicator of how you're to model and to lead and help others who don't have that gift in spades. But I, 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 I am not as, concern, as much concerned with how many people come to this church. Oh, I would love for as many people as possible to come and be part of our congregation, yes. But I'm more concerned as your senior pastor that you would be unleashed for the kingdom. And that you would be employed and empowered as parents to your children, as neighbors to your neighbors, as husbands and wives, as friends, as, as co-workers, that you would be unleashed. And that you would have a joy that lives within you because of the gifts, because you know what they are. And you want to go further up and further. And Lord Jesus, take these gifts, take these gifts and, and, and grow these gifts in me and for me as a blessing to the nations. Let that be for our church. So come, be part of our training, be assessed, be part of what we're doing here. I think we're on an amazing journey. I think we're going to see mighty wondrous things happen through the Holy Spirit, through City Church in 24. Let's pray. Father, um, we ask that you would just take this. You would, uh, Your word, it never returns void. Someone prayed that this morning. I heard them pray that, knowing that the word never returns void. And so we know, that the word goes out and will not return void. So, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you, would you take these words, would you take this sermon, would you take this proclamation, would you impress through through your work, Holy Spirit, and your people, would you impress upon them what it means to, gr- to grow further up and further on, to be unleashed, to be empowered. Father, we want, we want a, an empowered church. We often say here that we want to push power to the edges. We want to empower people. It's not just for those who go to seminary, get degrees and get ordained it's for all of us it's not for staff it's for all of us to be unleashed for your kingdom and so we're asking you are the God who separated the waters you're the God who separated the skies who who flung the stars into the heavens you're the one that defeated sin and death we ask that that power that resurrection power be at work in our lives that we would be the resurrected people set on fire. Holy Spirit, come and set us on fire. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Now we respond to God.